You're listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined, as always, by Ryan Shutt and Philip Russell. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, Philip. How are we doing this Wednesday evening? I'm all good, man. Uh, my life is inside now because of how hot it is outside, True. but we're all good. I saw a thing today that said the feels like temperature here in Bowling Green, Kentucky was 119 degrees. So uh, we're just chilling. Ryan, how are you doing, bud? You've been traveling a little bit. I have. I just got, got in from New Orleans a couple hours ago. And let me tell you, it felt much better being in that city after beating New Orleans in the playoffs than it did flying through Dallas two days after losing to them in the playoffs. Dallas sucks, man. Ah, if a team's going to do it, at, also, least be, at least be a team I already don't like, you know? The people of New Orleans do not like Devin Booker. By the way, that is a quick observation for you. Were they just uh, walking around with like signs or something? No, the the, the few people talked to me because I was wearing a uh, a sun shirt. Ah, that'll uh, do it. And made it quite clear that uh, Devin Booker was not their favorite person. Hey, Ethan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I uh, also haven't gone outdoors because it's sucking the life out of me, and it's so hot. I actually told Brooke today I went out to let the dog out, and it felt like I was in Arizona. Who let been, the dog out? Uh, who? 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 Yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, He's on it felt, first. It felt like Arizona, like dry heat of just how can my body feel this way? And it, it was an experience I've only experienced with my time in Arizona and a, and a couple places out west. It's miserable. Don't like it one bit. So I'm really glad that we have a hobby. That allows us nerds to sit on our computers and talk to each other and then share it with the world. It makes life a little bit better than doing anything outdoors right now. So it's it's good. It's good. Uh, we've got an interesting episode ahead of us, gentlemen. Pretty Pretty rare when we don't have a host of topics, either creative ones that we're making up to provide a nice change of pace from the monotony or... You know, the NBA world is giving us stuff to talk about. And in this case, we have the topic of DeAndre Ayton in front of us. And I think given how much has gone into this, it would be a disservice to try to just put this in as a piece of another episode. We thought it made the most sense to just say, hey, we're going to have our episode. We're going to talk about this. And then we can move on from this thing. This thing that has been a story for a very long time with more speculation than you could even imagine. And with that, Ryan, Philip, DeAndre Aiden, a signed Phoenix Sun for the next few years. What are before we start breaking down the nitty-gritty of it all, what were your first thoughts in the 13 minutes that were as signs the paper for the Pacers Suns match. I guess if you want to tease it out more, Woj did drop a few hours beforehand that he intended to sign and the Pacers were interested. So we had a little bit of a heads up, but in reality it was about 10 minutes of exciting news before everything was kind of just gone. Philip, I'll start start with you. What was kind of your first reaction watching this thing play out? 
So it was just a two-stage reaction. Because of the wording of the Woj tweet initially, I thought, oh, this is the day the Kevin Durant deal goes down. Because it was worded like he hadn't signed anything yet, but they had a deal set in stone. So it was like, okay, son, sign him to that deal. They ship him off to the Pacers. Things are going to start moving. But as soon, as soon as Woj tweeted that DA had put a pen to paper, there was no question about it. It was re-sign him, and that's a good thing. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, it, I, to me, it was. I was just more bracing for the roller coaster because it felt like whoever made the first move was going to set off this domino reaction that I thought was going to probably end up triggering, triggering three, four, five teams to make some sort of move. Really, it aside from the drama that played out on Twitter of um, a deal has been extended, has it been extended or signed? Well, does he have till midnight? The Suns now have 48 hours. Aside from that kind of hype and drama, it was pretty low key. If you now here we are, you know, several days removed and you look back at it, there, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. It was the Pacers made their move. The Sun said, that's what we've been waiting for. Thank you. We'll sign DA and we'll move on. And nothing's really happened since. Um, so I thought it was going to trigger off much more of a domino kind of butterfly effect, um, but have been really surprised by how little has come of um, this, this, this contract. When it was all said and done, I guess let's go through initial thoughts. And I think it's already been touched on by one of you. When the news came out, did the, did your gut say, Oh, he's about to be a pacer. Did you think when that first story broke, he's going to Indiana based on everything we had heard leading up to it, based on your own personal feelings, did you ever think he was just going to sign? I, I personally didn't. Um, I think maybe in the split second afterwards in, in my kind of, you all know me more than, more than our listeners do. Obviously I like to kind of exaggerate and really make things a big deal. I think I may have just off the cuff uh, said something like, Oh, that's it. He's gone. Um, But I don't think I ever really believed that. Um, It definitely felt more as just kind of a starting point. I'm not sure I ever thought he would be a pacer necessarily unless it was involving Miles Turner. Yeah, man. Four weeks ago, we took a look at DA and we looked at this past year's performance and it wasn't just the game seven, which is which probably has become too big of a deal in a lot of people's assessment of DA. DA was phenomenal for the Suns all year long with the ups and downs. If you look at it statistically, his production on the court was great, especially especially for a point guard and combo guard centric team where you either have the ball in Chris Paul's hands or the balls in Devin Booker's hands. His production was incredible. His efficiency was great. His defense was leveled up beyond an already good defensive outing the year that the Suns went to the finals. So we all said he pretty much exceeded our expectations. So then when you say, okay, a guy who exceeded our expectations has now re-signed, that's good news. It is good news that the Suns did not let DA go and bring nothing back. Yeah, that, that was my one thought. It was just, there's no way they're letting him walk for nothing. 
And so when that report came out, it was, okay, either a trade's going down or he's coming right back. See, and I also didn't, I didn't see that necessarily as part of a Kevin Durant play, because at least in, in what I've seen, the Nets have been pretty clear that they weren't interested in DA. So to me, I didn't see it as having much of a ramification on the KD outcome. It felt more to do strictly with Pacers and maybe other people facilitating that sign and trade if it were to take place. Because the whole time, at least in my head, I had made up in my mind, based on what I read, there's no way Aiton and the Nets are connected at this point. And it seems to me that that's still very much obviously was the case. Yeah, it was. And again, you never know how much of what we hear is the truth. But now that some of it's been put to bed, I think what we can discern to be possible, the Nets had no interest in Aiden. I don't think that was no interest in him as a player. I think it was probably more of the contract that would have come with him, in my opinion. I think if you're a team like the Suns, who have built a contender, it's more reasonable to give a max to a center that puts you over the cap with other players over the cap, building this thing together rather than a team that's about to give up its top two guys enter a rebuild. You don't, you don't rebuild with a max player. Who's not in the echelon of players we talked about in our last episode about ranking Booker. And it also seemed the Suns were pretty set on not being interested in miles Turner. Uh, That has come from multiple sources as this news broke and immediately it was okay. Is there going to be a sign and trade? And from everything I've read from everyone with connections and, and whatever, like sons didn't want miles Turner. It was, if we're going to get a center, it's going to be DA. And if not, we're going to have to see some sign and trade that makes it make sense. And I think we knew from the get go, no sign and trade made sense, right? Like there was no sign and trade where you would look at it and say, yes, we got the value that Aiton deserves if he's leaving. And so I think the as much fun as the content is of doing all the crazy trades and talking about all this nonsense, at the end of the day, DA was either going to come back or he was going to leave for something that made sense for the Suns. The odds of that happening were slim. So he is back. But there were levels to that as well. I think all of us thought him coming back was the most probable. But the conversation was, okay, if he does come back, what's the money look like? So for those listening, because the Suns had DeAndre Aiden as their draft pick, as their initial player going into free agency, they could have offered him a five-year max of, I believe, 178 or $179 million max max so you can read the woes tweet of like biggest uh what was it qualifying offer extended or biggest max offer whatever whatever that is true based on how restricted free agency works but that's not the most money deandre ayton could have received the most money that could have been received was from the suns for or five years for that amount of money What happened, though, because they let another team make the first move, all they had to do was match. So the Pacers were kind of in the driver's seat, even if it was just for 10 minutes, of building out the contract that would be offered to Aiton and then signed. So what the Suns ended up doing was they just matched what the Pacers put in front of DeAndre Aiton, which ended up being 
a, let me pull up more of my numbers, a four-year, $133 million max. So I want to take a moment, guys, as we as we talk through this. There's a lot of parts to it. Let's talk money. Let's just focus on DeAndre Aiden's back. This is the contract, and what does that mean? So if you have your handy-dandy contract charts out here and wanted to see, okay, that's that's a lot of money, four years, so it's a pretty long contract. We've heard that number thrown out since that's what Kevin Durant's currently sitting on. What does that mean in terms of Aiden's money? maybe in terms of where he ranks in the league. So if you were looking at other players that are getting the annual average value or average annual value of DeAndre Aiden's new contract, the math breaks down to he's getting paid a little over $33 million a year. Now, obviously, each contract's different. Some are front-loaded, some are back-loaded. A lot of gymnastics can be done. But if you're looking at Aiden's contract, other folks around him, right in that 30, let's just say 32 to 33 range, are Jason Tatum. Well, that gets a little tricky in a second. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, CJ McCollum, Drew Holiday, Kyrie Irving, Pascal Siakam. These are some big boys. These are these are dudes who are who are big time players on big time teams. For reference, though. Devin Booker, who just signed a Supermax that we, I believe, have all universally praised here, his average annual value is about to be $56 million a year, which is just a mind-blowing money, man. It's just a mind-blowing amount of money. So what about just within centers? What about just within Aiton's position? How does he rank? Uh, I think you guys might have looked ahead or cheated, but on average, how many centers do you think right now in terms of average annual value, are making more per year than DeAndre Ayton's new contract. Do you count Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo as centers? I think I think you have to. I think Bam for sure primarily plays at the five. I think Davis in his mind is a four, but they play him at yeah. the five. But yeah. I, the other question is about Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, now that he has another center on his team. So if you take all of those guys, it's like six, five to six, who are making more than DA. Yeah, so here, here's what I'm seeing, and, and some of this is it's kind of funny. Guys like Yogatron, they're twice for what he's on versus what he currently has. But you're looking at Jokic, Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. So I think everyone feels good that he's not making more than those guys. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, I think if any of us saw that the Suns were paying Aiton more than those guys were getting paid, it would give you a heart attack. Uh, if you're a jazz fan, how do you, how do you feel knowing that you have two of the highest paid centers in the league? That's pretty cool, right? No? T-Wolves. T-Wolves. Uh, T-Wolves. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So weird still. Gobert on a team that's not the Jazz is going to take a while to get with. Uh, so within the context of like other players making around that much money, which centers are getting paid more than him? How do you feel about it just in terms of the numbers? Because obviously none of us can even grasp, I think, what that much money actually look like, like looks like in a bank account or in terms of like, standard of living 
But just in terms of comparison with everyone else, what are your thoughts now that we see what that contract ended up being? I think it's just about right. I think it's just about right. So I want to read a list and I'll I'll say when DA is in here. So you have, and I'm going to add some guys who effectively play center or at least play center some of the time. So you have Nicole Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, DeAndre Ayton, Al Hortford, Jared Allen, Nikola Vucevic, Clint Capella. When you listen to that list, the only direction DA goes on that list, if you flip it and say, okay, we're not talking about how much money you're making. We're talking about ranking who's the best. The only direction he's going is up. Right. The only one. There's no argument for him to go down on that on that list. So then monetarily, you would say, okay, about right. About right. Well, Brian, and I think, what do you think? Yeah, I think especially too, if we're looking at um, the total value of the contract, to speak to the same players Phillip's looking at, there is a noticeable difference and drop off after eight. And if we're looking just at the true centers, the players who are classified as true centers, so removing Adebayo, removing Davis, there's almost a 30 million drop off between Aiton and Horford and a 32 million drop off. Again, total value for the contract between Aiton and Allen. To me, that speaks to the talent difference and level and age of all of those players. I think he's right where he needs to be. I think talking about $133 million for Aiton, given the context of everything, it's just kind of hard to swallow for some people who are putting more emphasis on things that probably don't deserve the emphasis it's getting. But I think he's right where he needs to be when you're talking total value for what he brings to the table for his potential long-term and for the position. I think it's a fair contract and it was brilliant of the Suns to basically make the Pacers make the first move and not, as you were mentioning earlier, go for that five-year, 170-plus deal. Uh, Because then I might have some questions. Uh, But I think the 133 is right where it should be. There's a couple things that that I want to bring up. I want to first kind of go along with what you said, Ryan, the idea that it was brilliant to let the Pacers make the first move. I think, and the next the next tab I've got here, discussion wise, guys, is uh, the aftermath that I think has plenty of interesting uh, ideas and, and routes we can go with that. If you're thinking psychologically of like how do we mend a relationship that seems to have some issues, the best way to do that would be to do exactly what they did with Booker. They come out with the contract from day one, moment one, say you're our guy, we want you. Here you go. And here's the problem. I think if they would have come out day one and said, here's four years, 133 mil, I don't think he signs that, in my opinion. I don't. I think I think they needed him to see what the market was for him. They let the market and, determine the value. And to me, that's what was so and, key. And again, I think, I think that still could have negative ramifications within the relationship. But at the point in which they were at, I don't know if that can be the breaking point. I think we either already had a breaking point and it's being smoothed over with piles of cash or the breaking point wasn't quite hit yet. So there's point one, the psychological thing. We'll talk about that more in the aftermath. My second point, based on what you said, Ryan, when it came to the people are upset because of things that maybe are getting blown out of proportion. I like 
to have a stance on things and be able to present a good argument or reason for why I feel them. I think what you're referencing are the folks that say, I don't want Aiton to get paid this amount because video games, whiny game seven, P tests and steroids, right? I agree. I think if that is why you feel strongly about Aiton getting this money in some negative way, that's that's dumb. I, I'm with you. What what gets me, and I'm look, I'm happy Aiden's back. I think if you're gonna bring him back, it's a great contract. What gets me is I still am going to continue to have my flag firmly planted in the centers are not the answer movement within the NBA. And so I pull up this list of centers making a crap ton of money. The highest paid center that's played in the NBA finals is DeAndre Aiden, followed closely by Al Horford. And I have an asterisk on Al Horford because that was an overpay from Philly that they realized was a mistake. He then pinged around within that contract that he probably couldn't get again today. Nevertheless, I continue. You then have to scroll down to Brooke Lopez on a four-year, $52 million deal. I think that's the sweet spot of a, a championship center in the way that we're starting to see things. Kevon Looney, again, showed great value in adding to a team that can win a championship in today's NBA. He got paid nothing like what we saw. And then funny enough, the next one on the list is Robert Williams, another Celtic center. When it went back to me stating that I didn't like the idea of paying big bucks to DeAndre Ayton, I think you could have scrapped his name out of it and just said a center. And I felt like my argument would have been stronger. The fact that his name got attached to that argument, I think the the dumb opinions that you referenced, Ryan, kind of like diluted the argument and kind of weakened it up. But I still feel really strong about this shift in positional value within the NBA. You've seen it in the NFL. You've seen it in many different sports. And I'm really curious to see what what this contract will look like in the future when you look and say, hey, look, another team just won the finals with a, a young athletic defensive minded center who does what's required on offense. But that's about it. I, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't love that the team is paying this much to a center, no matter who the center is. And so props to the T-Wolves for being like the uh, an antithesis of everything I believe in, I guess. And just saying, Ethan, you're an idiot. I'm going to pay all of my money to centers and we'll see what happens. But I don't know, man. Ethan, I think too, like anybody who listens to our podcast regularly can pull up the receipts to on the things that I've said about Aiton and the concerns I've had regarding all those dumb things that people get worked up that you're talking about. But at the end of the day, I think he is a great asset to the team. And I can still be concerned about those things. And people are are right to be concerned about those things. I think they're red flags for reasons. But his play has shown he's worth being paid. And I think what's important to realize, too, kind of to your point, I, I mean, I agree that the center shouldn't be that cornerstone money-wise to a championship team. But it comes back to the market determined the value. It wasn't something where the Suns are saying, I think you're worth this much because this is what you contribute to the team. 
the NBA has shown based off how people are making their signings that this is how the league values that position at this price. And so for that, it's, a, in my opinion, a fair deal, but still has red flags, which in the aftermath, I'll, I'll address some of that, too. But, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to be upset about this. Right. And that's my thing. I'm not a I think the deal is a great deal. Right. I think bringing him back was the right answer. I don't think it was like a well, this worked out. They like, you know, plan B or C. Like, I think this was option A. How do you handle Aiden? You sign him, you bring him back. And if you can do it without paying all the money, that's a great result. So again, we'll talk about some of the psychological aftermath of the relationship, but I do think it was right. I just felt like for all the things I've said, especially on Twitter, about paying the center, and that dates back to the Aiden draft. I mean, I went on unnecessary rants about this then. I still believe it now, which means maybe I really, really, really do believe it. But that said, I think I think it is a good outcome. Philip, what do you think on all this? To keep it to keep it brief, I don't think the Phoenix Suns, as currently constructed, can win without an elite center. When you're going to put Chris Paul forward as the or one of the focal points of your offense, you have to have a guy like DA. So it's not just it's not just that centers aren't as valuable in isolation. It's that the center position for a team like the Suns is probably has an increased amount of value because of the other pieces that they have. So that's probably making the contract more palatable for the guys in the front office. No, I, that's a really good point, especially given, I mean, on both ends of the court, right? Offensively, mm-hmm. what gets created for yep. that position and defensively, when you have a, uh, let's whisper this one, potential perimeter liability uh, on defense, you got to make sure you've got someone there taking care mm-hmm. of business when your geriatric point guard may not be able to move his feet like he wants to, though firmly saying he needs to play 33 minutes a game. We'll see. So. There's the money for you. Let's move on to the aftermath. Now, take it however you want. Uh, I've already mentioned, I think there are some interesting threads to follow. Uh, So I'm just going to bring up a couple of them that pop up in my head. If you have thoughts on any of these and want to take that path down, happy to go with you. Within the aftermath, I think it'll be interesting to monitor a few things. Number one, what is Aiton's relationship with the Phoenix Suns? In the sense of, does he want to be there? And will that show up on the court? We've talked a lot about him being an effort or lack thereof type of guy. I'm intrigued to see now that he's got his bag. Did he care where the bag came from? Is he just happy to be done with this? Him and Monty Williams, I think some people took the Mark Spears article and were like, oh, they're good now. They're palling around and, you know, going to Bible studies. Not what I read. I don't know where people got the like the beef is squashed. Like, I'm I'm glad that things seem good and that Monty was involved with everything and that James Jones was very firm of we make our decisions. We knew if there was an offer, we'd match it. That sounds great, but you didn't make him an offer to begin with. And if I'm Aiton, I know that that could have been done. So that is intriguing. Uh, Down the road, 
what do we think the outcome of this is? Do you think Aiton goes four years for the Suns? Do you think he plays out this contract? There's an incredibly interesting wrinkle now that he has a max contract and the Suns are now an over-the-cap team where they can trade him for someone else making crazy money and remain an over-the-cap team. Something that can only be done when you have a guy on the max and you're over the cap trading, blah, blah, blah. So what is the future of Aiton and the Suns? And then finally, we joked many times that he said his goal was to get a second contract from the get-go. My boy said two things, two things that always stood out to me from the beginning. He viewed him and him and Booker as Shaq Kobe 2.0, which given a whole lot of stuff, who knows what's going to happen there. And his goal was to get a second contract. Do we think now that he has this sense of security that he as a person in terms of how he is on the court, how he is with his teammates, will he be different now? Are things going to be different now that he's not feeling a target on his back and he feels secure with everything around him? So there are those are my like, what's coming next? What, stuck, what has stuck out to you guys? What has been on your mind? as you try to think through like, okay, what does this mean for this team that I follow so closely now that it's a done deal and we move along? I have the date January 15th circled on my calendar. (laughs) For those who don't know, January 15th is the first day that DA becomes eligible for trade now that he's on this new contract. With two exceptions. With with the exception that he can veto any trade within this first year of this contract. The second exception, go for it. He can't go to the Pacers. Right, because they extended. It's a genius, right. Like, that's a genius CBA decision, or whoever put that in, right? Like, it would be so crappy for a team like the Suns to be like, hey, who wants this guy so much? And they'll be like, me, 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 I do. And you're like, great. I'm going to sign this contract. Come January 15th, you prove to me how much you want him. So I think it makes sense. It's just unfortunate for the Suns right now. So I, if we're talking aftermath and what's next, to me, I don't have a closure on this. I think we're in a good place right now. I think Aiton has his money. Great. James Jones seems, at least according to the Mark Spears article, to have had this as the plan all along. He's content with this. Everybody sees, seems on board. Great. None of that means anything to me until we've extended past the time where he can go on the market as an asset for some sort of trade. So from now until January 15th, I'm going to feel great that we have him for this time. But what will show me what his future is with the team will be what kind of conversations start happening around that deadline, what kind of rumors start coming out about gauging interest on the market with Aiton. Because that'll tell me how invested we really are with him as a long-term asset on this team. So right now, I'm cool with where we're at, but I don't see this as being over until we've extended ourselves past that deadline. So to me, it's great with an asterisk of who knows what comes next, because this could, could not be over at this point. I will say with that, too, we talked a lot with Booker's extension of, wow, this is an insane amount of money, but the cap's going to spike. Like we, as an NBA collective, are assuming based off TV rights and a lot of stuff that that cap is going to increase. 
to the Nick Batum gets $80 million type craziness that could happen, maybe. With that said, we use that same logic to say, hey, this Booker deal is a lot of money, but it's not going to look that bad. So I think we need to have that same frame of reference, and maybe this is not the route you thought it was going to go, with the DA deal, not as an asset for us, but for a very valuable trade chip. Because if you're telling me in a few years, when more and more players are making a whole lot of money, that a very, very young, very talented, high ceiling, offensive, defensive center who can't get played off the floor can be traded to you even for a year for a contender who wants to make a big push, two to three years for a team that has a young core, is averaging 33 mil a year. That's not going to scare people away. And as I look at other guys who, in my opinion, have proven even less in the league who are making more than that, you have guys like, this is, uh, people might not like this one. Ben Simmons making more than that. Michael Porter Jr. making more than that. Shea Gilgis Alexander hasn't played a full season because they want to just keep losing, getting paid more than that. Darius Garland, Zion, who we assume can still play basketball, <laughs> right? Like they're all making more than that annually. That contract is going to be very, very valuable, whether that's kept in house or going elsewhere. And yes, it's a big deal now because it's putting the Suns over the cap and into the tax for the first time in a very, very long time. But I really think that that contract, if it's one the Suns eventually want to move off of, when it's no longer a sign and trade, you can get equal compensation back financially. That's a really good deal within the context of what else is out there. Is that, do you see that as a possibility, Philip, in terms of Aiton? providing for the now, but also potentially helping the Suns rebuild in the future through his value elsewhere. Yeah. And that's, that's the value of any contract. That's not a super max at, at this point, I don't think we're anywhere close to uh, $56 million being a particularly tradable asset, but we're getting to the point where 20 million a year, 25, and eventually it'll go up to about 30 million a year. Isn't, easily movable but is a movable valuable piece like you've like you've mentioned but as i think about the aftermath i'm going to i'm going to take a step back away from basketball there isn't much in life that's more anxiety inducing than being worried about money or having money be something that's invading your thoughts constantly if that was an actual experience for DA where he was focused and just dead set on that second big contract, this could be a pathway into a new, relaxed, content version of DA. Just his headspace could be better because he knows he is generationally excessively wealthy now because of the paper he just signed. He was wealthy before. He's in a different category now, making $33 million and a year. Add, and add in a new kid and family living overseas that he yeah. can now support, take care of, who knows. And that could be that release and that that relief he might feel 
could be transformative again for him personally. And then if it's transformative and helpful for him personally, then you're going to see some benefit of that from, from the perspective of the Suns as a whole. And then on top of all of that, on top of all of that, if you've got beef with teammates, one of the best ways to get rid of that beef is to win. And the Suns currently are one move away from winning a whole lot, a whole lot. The Western Conference is going to be difficult next year. So if the Suns run it back as is, it's going to be a dogfight for the entire season to fend for top four, top five seeds in the Western Conference. If four out of the five of the starting five, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton, they're going to win a bunch of games. And that could be a way for DA to relax to find the joy in winning on top of the joy and relief that he can find in a contract. So I think best case scenario, the aftermath is KD comes, DA releases. He has his worth in a sense from the contract that the Suns have just given him. And then they go out and win a bunch of games. So you bring up Kevin Durant. I wanted to close with a couple of yes or no questions for you guys. And if the spirit moves you, to uh, expound on your answer, feel free to do so. This is an open forum here. The first question I had was, as of right now, this is today, this is no speculation of new players, are the Suns better than they were last season? Yes or no? No. No. Okay. Question two. Does your answer to question one concern you? Tremendous amount. Yeah, they got to do something. Right. We've only lost. We have not added. We, we have, have only lost. We have lost JaVale. We haven't signed Ish Wayne right back. Well, I know that's a pretty small, small. I take it back. We got Biz back, yeah. and that's pretty big. I do Biz, love Biz. Biz Max back. Contract. We've got the Jockster. I assume everyone's going to call him that. And Josh Okogie, Damian Lee, and Cam Johnson has not been extended. That is a quick summary of the offseason. And Booker got paid. Aiden got paid. I tend to agree. I believe we have not gotten better, but I think a lot of teams in the West have. And for that question two, yes, I'm concerned. Question three, will Kevin Durant be a Phoenix Sun? No. Philip? Yes, eventually. Do you think eventually means during this upcoming season? Yeah, I think at some point, I think it would be a pretty impressive about face for a guy who oftentimes seems very sure of himself if he were to uh, tuck his tail between his legs and go back to Brooklyn. I agree. Final one. Does Cam Johnson get extended this offseason? No. Unfortunately, I, I know. if I will say yes, with the caveat that Kevin Durant is not a Phoenix Sun. There you go. I, I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to throw in I'm going to throw in a bonus question just because of that comment. Is it possible for Kevin Durant to become a Phoenix Sun without giving up Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson? 
No way. No, that that would be that and that's a dereliction of duty if if the other GM does not demand both of those younglings. I know. That's that's tough. I mean, I do it in a heartbeat. But but it's so, tough. Never mind. I was about to take us down some other rabbit hole that's I don't think worth it at this time. But even even then, yeah, even then. If Ryan's get, like, I'm not gonna do this, but I'm gonna do this. <laughs> no, if say we do, say we get Kevin Durant. We I mean, still are so empty after that. Who else is there? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm 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 of the persuasion that book Can't, Paul that Durant Aiden and Qua- yes. Kevin Bleed. I hope so. It, I hope so. But I don't know. The bench just to me would be so empty. It, it I mean, can. It can. The, the Suns are trying to position themselves to have such an overwhelming first group that, that the matter. subs they put in don't matter. Because at all times in the playoffs, then you will have two of those big four. On the, court, on the court and the idea would be that is enough creation talent defensive versatility for at least two kind of three of those guys that that can carry the rest of the roster i hope so i just really want a title you know that's all it is it too much to ask <laughs> i just i just after after ethan and i ruined it by going up to milwaukee we did just, not ru- we did not ruin it we witnessed just, cam johnson's biggest dunk in history i just really want it and and i hope I hope we get KD. I'd love to get KD, but even that doesn't look realistic anymore. I don't know. Ethan, wrap this up. Ryan sounds like he needs to go crying to a beer. I am. Ryan, I'm going Ryan through needs, it right now. Ryan's, Ryan's sad. I've been well, sitting with these feelings for hang a on, listen, pause, 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 pause. Both of you have an uncanny ability towards the end of the episode <laughs> to just bring up sad boy hours, Phoenix Sun style. Like I thought it's this was just, a safe space. It's just I'm, where somehow the conversation always leads. It's, but I have 17 I, years of this in yes, my soul. Yes. What I think this is, is this is something that gets embedded in Suns fans. 100%. Which can't relate. We got six championships as the Bulls. <laughs> All bad for you to flex. Hey, how many, how many of those were you alive for? Three. How many four. of them were you four, old four, enough four, four, to know what was happening? Four. Two. It's pretty convenient that you picked the two strongest dynasties of the last 50 years to be your two favorite teams. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> pretty convenient goodness i only pick winners goodness. practice safe podcasting and wrap this up gentlemen i that might be one of the best lines you've ever said on this podcast and only the folks who love us enough to to ride with us 42 minutes in are gonna hear that wrap your willy joke but my goodness ooh, that was all right, well, I'm not even going to pretend to have a good outro. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for joining us. Thank you to the folks at Brightside, for Philip and Ryan, who both may lose talking privileges for next episode. I am Ethan Shutt. This is Into the Valley Phoenix on the podcast. We out.